first Sunday in March 2018. Boy, the year's already flying by. But I believe that today, again, as we're at church and realize that most people, most people, not all people, but most people don't do anything that they're not made to do. And as long as you think about that, every time that you push yourself to say, you know what, I'm going to be in church. I'm not going to let circumstances. And, and, and let me tell you, if you're like me, there's all kinds of circumstances that come up that say, you know, let's not do that. But as you make an effort to get to church, let me tell you, I believe that with all my heart, as we come together, that there's power. There, there's something about watching it on Facebook, you know, live. That, that, that's good. Or hearing it on a podcast. But, but you need to be here. There's something about the spirit of just being in the place and understanding that makes a big difference. Sorry, my sermon isn't going to be five minutes. You can take that off. You can just go ahead and take that right off right there. Everybody was kind of getting a little excited there. Settle down, settle down. I won't be long today. But let me tell you this. One time I, I heard that there was a fitness center that was having a grand opening. And in that grand opening, the owner of the fitness center was just this huge muscle man, you know, and he, he made a declaration to the whole community. He said for the first three months, on the first day of each month of the, the opening of this fitness center, I will give anybody $1,000 if they can come after me up to the front, in front of the whole group that's going to be here, and squeeze one drop out of a lemon, but I go first. And so they publicized that all over the city, and on the first day, of course, he had a, a big show out, and all these big men, these muscle men, would come, and they're, they're ready to try, and the owner came up, and he was just, I mean, just, you know, well, kind of like that, right? Anyway, he was just a muscle man, and he squeezed, I mean, he just filled up a glass. And after he was done, people would take turns coming up, and they couldn't get one drop out. The second month, the same thing happened, and it kind of grew, and the third month came around, the last month, nobody could do it. But the third month finally came around, and, and the guy said, is there any challengers? And nobody would take him, but one little guy, after he squeezed the lemon and filled up the cup, one little bald-headed man with glasses raised his hand, and everybody laughed, and he, he came up to the front, and he took the lemon, and he just squeezed it, and five drops came out. The place went crazy. They were cheering for him, and, and, and the owner kind of reached in his pocket, kind of embarrassed, pulled out $1,000 and handed it to him, and he just took it, and he walked right towards the back to go out the door. And the owner said, wait, what do you do for a living? And he raised the money and he said, I work for the IRS. <laughs> so how many have your taxes done this year? All right. All the ones that have, boy, they're proud. Get it up there. This morning we're going to be talking about, at the end of the message, an IRS agent. He went for Rome. But this morning, the title of my series that I'm beginning 
Well, we're going to kind of go in the same vein as the kingdom series that we just concluded. But the title of it is Heroes. And Humble Heroes is today's message. Do you remember, does anybody, is anybody old enough beside me to remember Superman in the 60s, George Reeves? You know, he looked like he was about 60 years old, even though he's probably about 30, you know. He, he was he was this guy that was strong. Do you remember the old black and white Lone Ranger? Do you remember Toronto? Oh, yeah. Do, do you remember the modern day? Some of some of you millennials and do you remember the Avengers? Do you do you remember the the Hulk and even though you know he had his issues, he could save the day. And really the hero is always somebody that comes in and, and speaks on behalf of the weak or the person that has very little voice. I, I love the hero in movies. In, in the old movies, you always knew them by what they dressed like, right? They wore the white hat. You could say, hallelujah, I know which one's a good guy from the get-go. I don't know about you, but I've got enough circumstances in my life to go to one of these movies and the bad guy wins at the end or the bad circumstances. There is no good ending anymore. Seriously? I, I want my money back. I got enough of that. But the hero always is the one that comes in and, and a lot of times in the, the nick of time and sometimes even to save the day and, and even if he puts his life at risk. I, I don't even like the, the movie of the Avengers where the bad guy, he, he's supposed to be a god, you know, little G, but he, he's supposed to be a god and his name is Loki or Hokey or Pokey or something like that and, and he's, he's just... Thinking he's so big, and the Hulk comes in and just is about ready to annihilate him. Do you, do you remember this part? Yeah. He says, you can't treat me like that. I'm a god. And the hero smacks him around and says, puny god. <laughs> Love him. Heroes. You know, there, there's something about you and I that we, we never take ourselves to the place that we could be a hero. And really throughout history, it's kind of been that way and until Jesus comes into the scene and he begins to really identify somebody that steps in as even one of us that could save the day. The, the first of the two stories that I want to talk about today, and, and they're going to go together, so trust me, is found in Luke chapter 10. So if you brought your Bibles and if you were turning your phones to Luke chapter 10... When you talk about saving the day, that's good. But today we're going to be talking about something that's even more important, and that is, is saving eternity for somebody. Think about this, that when we get to the place of thinking, could we be a hero? Is there anything more important than saving someone's forever, 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 and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever? Eternity. My favorite definition of eternity is this. Now, now, just stick with me, okay? Follow me. If a housefly, you know, the little housefly, could actually take one grain of sand, sand from the, uh, a beach and, and fly all the way to the moon and leave it on the moon and fly all the way back and get another one grain, not two, one grain, and fly all the way back to the moon and leave it there. When the earth was transported grain by grain all the way to the moon, 
eternity would just be beginning. <clears throat> this morning we're, we're talking about heroes and someone that can step in and change the course of eternity for somebody. The story goes like this in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Now, now watch this. On one occasion, they had done it many times. And if you were here this in the uh, Christian Education Hour, you, you heard that the teaching talk about this. That they were continually trying to test Jesus. So this is, a, this is the scene. An expert in the law said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is it written in the law? He, Jesus, replied, how do you read it? Now, don't you love it that this is a guy that is schooled in the law? Now, we're not talking about necessarily, you know, stop at that stop sign and, you know, this, this is the biblical law. He's an expert in the law. So he's trying to trick Jesus with a question, and here's Jesus. He asked him a question. He says, how do you read it? And the expert of the law said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Now, now stop right there. Love God. See, earlier Jesus had been asked what is the greatest commandment, and not only did he say this, but he added what you could say the horizontal part of it is love your neighbor as yourself. So this expert of the law actually says this very thing. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now watch Jesus. He says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. Now, now what's so important about this is that this whole passage, it, that the person that is listening to this had heard this as a Jewish person since they've been little. This is something that is part of the Jewish people because in Leviticus, actually what it says is love God and love your neighbor. But the neighbor part of it is defined as pretty much love your people. Which again, it's easy to interpret for the Jewish people is I just love the people that are like me. As long as they're like me, look like me, smell like me, then I'm supposed to love them like I would love myself. So I want you to see something that's happening here. When Jesus says... You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. It says this, that the expert of the law said this because he wanted to justify himself. Now, now watch this. He, he's going to try to ask another question to justify himself, to, to say what is the minimum requirement? He says this question that changes everything. And who is my neighbor? Now see, some of us think that this is a way of doing life because we grew up. Remember that before this time, this is such a paradigm-shifting story for the people that are there. They're just like, oh, here we go. This expert in the law is saying, okay, tell me what is the minimum requirement that that's going to make so that I can get to heaven. Now, Jesus, being who he is, begins to do a vintage Jesus. And what he does is he tells a story. Watch what he does. And replied to you, said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Now, can you imagine this wise expert of the law guy going, whoa, 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 you're avoiding the question. 
You're always going off on some tangent. What are you doing, Jesus? Come on, come on, tell me. What must I, or, or let me say, and who is my neighbor? Who is it? But he continues. He, this man was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. Remember, clothes to us, we can go anywhere. I mean, even if we go to the Salvation Army, clothes are something that we take for granted, but that then is very valuable. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So, so it's a priest. The second person, it says, so too a Levite, which was really a, a, a tr the tribe of priests. A Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, the man that was beaten, he passed by on the other side. Now, everybody that's listening is going, ooh. And then he really throws a wrinkle in the whole story. He says, but a Samaritan... As he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn to take care of him. Now, now again, for you and I, we're reading this going, well, good for him. This is appalling and somewhat offensive to the Jewish people that are listening because they would have never, ever done a Jewish person for a Samaritan. And probably a Samaritan would have never done this. It's almost unreal to them. They're going, are you, what, what? Did, did he say who's my neighbor? And, and are, are we kind of thinking ahead like all of us do in, a, in some kind of story or some kind of joke? or something? We're always trying to think ahead of how it's going to end. Is, is Jesus going to lead us down the road that the Samaritan is a neighbor? Oh, we're going to have him if he is. He puts him on a donkey and his own donkey takes him to end to take care of him. The next day he took out, what? You're telling me that he stayed with him in the evening and he even took care of him all night? That, that's, that's something absurd. He took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Now, now again, just in our own mind, just to kind of stay focused, if a uh, Holiday and Express nowadays can cost $100 a night. Anybody ever figure that out? So let's just say that he's already paid $100 and he's going to pay another $100 or $200, just anything you need to take care of. I'm just going to put some money involved in this little story here. He says, look after him, he said, and when I return, you're going to come back? The guy's going to come back? To take care of him some more? He says, and when I return, I will reimburse for any extra expense you may have. Now, now this is just, again, you're, you're telling me that the Samaritan is telling the innkeeper, you just have a blank check to take care of him. And when I come back, I'll pay. I, I want you to hear what Jesus is saying with the eyes and ears of a Jewish person in that day that's going. That, that, that's crazy.
And I want you to understand that some people think that people that were listening in the crowd could have actually thought the people that beat and robbed the man might have been Samaritan in the first place. So when Jesus uses an example of a Samaritan that is taking care of the Jewish man that has been robbed, all of a sudden, emotions begin to take place in their life, I'm sure. And then Jesus comes out with a question that changes from that moment in history on of how we look at things. He redefines the word neighbor and it will never again be used as someone in a, a different geographical area like next door to your house or, or a nationality, the same person that you know, you're going to help is the same. Because he says this one. He says this. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the, can you say it, robbers? The expert in the law replied, with a, I'm sure he swallowed hard. The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now I want you just to understand that our assignment has never been about what we can do for God but instead what God can do through us. Did, did you hear me? I, I, I want that to be something that you meditate on this week. Let me say it again. Our assignment has never been what we can do for God, but what God can do through us. See, in this story, the Good Samaritan is the hero of the day. We don't see anything or hear anything else about the robbers. We just focus on the story about who is the neighbor, and it's the one that showed mercy. This morning, when, when you're thinking about somebody in your life that has never heard about the Word of God, or and it's amazing, when I was in, you know, like junior high, and I would go to church, and they would say, you know, tell someone about God. I mean, in my day and age, I would like be like, I don't, I don't know if there's anybody in my school that actually has never heard about Jesus. But in the short years that have followed me, being, maybe it's a little longer than short, but anyway, the years that we are now, there's a lot of people that have never, ever heard about Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us. And the more that we are separated from them, and there's a lot of ways of separating ourselves from people that have never heard of the Word of God, it's like, well, you know, they're not my neighbor. So let me tell you this second story. It's a story of a tax collector, and his name is Zacchaeus. Now, it is found in Luke chapter 19, and it starts right at the first of the chapter in verse 1. Now, I'm going to just summarize this. Jesus is coming through town. Now, here's what's interesting is, as he's coming through town, there's some things that happen. One of them is that he heals a blind man in the chapter earlier. Also, during his process of coming to Jericho, he tells a story about two men. One is a Pharisee, considered proud, and one is called a humble sinner, like a tax collector. Now, the Pharisee is praying and he's saying, you know, how great am I? And God, how, you know, you really are blessed to have me. <laughs> and the, the tax collector, the sinner, is really very humble and says, I, I, don't, I don't even deserve 
what you have for me. Could you even forgive me? See, Jesus teaches these truths to the people. Then he comes into place Jericho, and Jericho is considered like the tax capital of Judea. A lot of trade, a lot of business. Here's a man named Zacchaeus, and we find out just in the second verse that he is very wealthy. And if you've never heard the story or if you've never heard it explained, being the chief tax collector, he had a bunch of agents all under him, all over Judea. But the thing is that Rome, if their, their percentage, let's, let's make up a percentage, say it was 5% of your income had to go to Rome. The tax collector had the right to kind of bump that up for his own commission. So he could say 6%, 8%. 10%, so forth. So a lot of people really considered a tax collector just like they would the, the very vilest of people. We know, we've heard it before, and I've said it before, like, like what is the vilest of our, our society? Maybe a tax collector, but, but probably not just a tax collector, but maybe it's, it's someone like a drug dealer. Maybe it's someone that's a, a robber. And here is Zacchaeus, and all of a sudden it says that he has to see what Jesus is all about. The, the word Zacchaeus in Hebrew means pure in righteousness, even though he was anything but pure in righteousness to this point. And the Bible says that here's this Roman IRS agent, chief tax collector, that has probably bumped the commission up to the point where people are calling him a robber, and every time that the Pharisees would say something about a sinner, they would also say something about a tax collector. Just to give you an idea. They considered, let me say this, there was hardly a life form more offensive than these traitors. They were Jewish people that would rob their own people with the authority of Rome. Now remember the robbers in the story of the Good Samaritan. In verse 3, it says that you can just tell by the story. He, he knows something is missing because he begins to, to hear things and, and, and maybe even seeing blind Bartimaeus get healed. And, and it says that he begins to get around to see where Jesus is. And he's a short man and he can't see. Now I say hurrah for all the short guys. But just reading the story, I think that he has not just one problem, but two problems. Not only is he short, but he's short on integrity. He's done some things in his life that are pretty bad. And this morning, if you're here and you say, you know what? I've done some things pretty bad. This is for you. Maybe somebody's here that says, you know, I'm doing some things that are pretty bad right now. This is for you. Maybe you know somebody that you work with, someone that is next door, someone that is around the corner, somebody that's in our city that has done some pretty bad things or doing bad things. This is for them. And this guy Zacchaeus, this short guy, 
His sins are keeping him from God because in Isaiah 59 verse 2 it says, Our iniquities have separated us from God. His status had put him in a place. It, wasn't, it was his choices. But the same thing I love when it says in verse 4, He ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree, fig tree, to see Jesus. Since Jesus was coming that way. Now, this morning, when I say, what is going on in your emotions right now? Right now, what's going on as far as Zacchaeus? You might be like, nothing, I'm just listening to a story. But if you're listening to the story in this setting, in the Jewish time period, and, and somebody that has robbed you, or somebody that has robbed your friend, or just general, this is a robber. And you see this little guy, and he's skirting around, and he's trying to get ahead to get a glimpse of Jesus. How do you feel? Probably what they were feeling. I, I have to wonder, and this is just conjecture of what was going on. Was, was people giving him the, you know, the box out like in basketball? Sorry, sorry, can't get close, Jesus. I showed up early for the concert, and I got the front seat. How do you feel? See, because how you feel is never 100% right about the scene that's going on. All those emotions that were going on in the people's mind when they see this little guy and he's trying to get ahead, maybe just trying to ask Jesus for something. He doesn't deserve mercy. He hasn't given mercy and therefore what he is and where he's at is up to him and that's where he's going to stay. The Bible says that Jesus comes to the place that he's up in the fig tree and he says to this guy, Zacchaeus, in front of all these people that have crowded around and gone through Jericho, hey, come down. I've got to have lunch with you. I've got to go to your house today. Now, the Bible says that Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house in front of all the Pharisees, all the people of that community, and they begin to murmur. One translation. I want you to remember this because I wrote this down this week when I heard it. Because boy, let me tell you. Complaining proves nothing but that you can hear the voice of the devil. And they begin to complain because they don't want him to have mercy. They don't want Jesus to being around sinners, tax collectors, and robbers. But Jesus goes anyway. Even though his reputation is at stake, he plays the role of a hero. Jesus goes and Zacchaeus' life is transformed. He says, I'll give back even more than I ever took from people. Because now I'm changed. Now, now here's what I want you to see. In Luke chapter 19 verse 9, this is coming out of Jesus' mouth. He said, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Do you remember the story of the tax collector that was humble and the prideful Pharisee in the chapter before? 
It says this, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Humble heroes show mercy and win the day for the helpless. See, in our story, it again goes with what Jesus came to do. In John 10.10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you would have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. But here's the thing that I want to ask you, and as a pastor, when we're talking about humble heroes, that both of these stories go together, and then we're going to wrap it up. We're going to spend a little time in prayer. I want you to think about the hero in the first scene, the Good Samaritan. He comes on the scene and he takes care of the person that had been robbed. And we go, yay, I can do that. But in the second story, the actual robber is the one that is shown mercy to. And Jesus gives him mercy and saves his eternity. When it comes to you and I, we get so busy going through life and doing this system and this system and this system and this system, we not only blow by like the Levite and the priest did in the story of the Good Samaritan, But it gives us a reason not to reach out to the people that are around us and tell the story of the good news of Jesus Christ because we think where they're at, they deserve to be at. They could come to the same church I come to. They could go down to the bookstore and buy a Bible. When the truth of the matter is, most people come to church to hear the Word of God Because someone invited them. Pastor, whoa, that puts responsibility on me. This week, it seems like I always get an illustration whatever I'm preaching on. That's why I try not to preach on depression too much. Next week, I'll be talking on how to spend the lottery. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But this week, I'm preaching this message and I have it prepared and pretty busy right now in my life and I've got a lot of irons in the fire and I find myself in a place where I usually don't like to counsel. That's the barber's chair. Because the, the person giving the haircut usually gets nervous and I have a shorter and shorter and a shorter haircut. And the young lady is tender. And she's going through something in her life of a big decision. And she says, John, I'm I'm glad you're here. Because she knows I'm a pastor. And she says, what's happening in your life? And I said, no, not this time. What's going on in your life? And she goes, And I went, you're engaged? (laughs) You didn't even tell me that you were engaged two weeks ago and four weeks ago or that you were even dating someone. 
And I won't tell you the whole story, but really the thing is, is she goes, I don't know what to do. I'm sorry, I don't have enough time. And if you'll come down to my office and pay $55.99, you can get a counseling session. That's walking by on the other side. You can look at this sermon as a very shallow sermon, very light sermon, or a very, very deep sermon. Because I've been praying for each one of the people at our church that you have opportunities. But not only that God puts you in the right place at the right time to meet the right person that needs you, but that you'll have the answer. That you'll have mercy on your neighbor but also that you'll have mercy on even the robber. Eternity is too long to be wrong. To be so busy that you don't have time for somebody to share the love of God with. You are destined through the kingdom of God to rule and reign. I'm encouraging you to step up. Don't let the systems of your life get you so busy. All your responsibilities, all paying for all this, become so heavy that you don't have time to show mercy to the people that are around you. Let's pray. Father, today you are more than enough for us. And Father, we pray that God, that when we are going through life and we're, we're so busy, that God, that we get to the place the God that we think like you think. The God that we get in a place where we, at the beginning of the story, know that you're the God of more than enough. The God that we, don't not, we do not fear taking care of the person that has been robbed, like maybe the other people, the priest and the Levite that feared that they might even be... We do not fear that, God, because you're with us. God, that we also do not fear the, and have, we have boldness. I speak it over our lives, boldness to be able to speak the truth and love to people. And God, that we have the ability at the moment when the person doesn't deserve mercy, to realize that in our hour of need that you showed us mercy. When we begin to realize what the blood of God has done for us, that you didn't earn it, you didn't jump through any hoop. You just believed it. You begin to value mercy. And it's so much easier to share it with somebody else. Just right now. Would you just... Just for the next few seconds, just sit. Just allow God, through the Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit, just to speak to you today. I believe that there's 
people that are going to be coming to your mind. People that nobody has really cared to ever invite them into the kingdom of God to share the good news of Jesus Christ dying for them. Sharing that God loves them and would like to spend eternity with them. And this morning, would you just begin to listen to the Holy Spirit? Who did God bring to your mind? Can, can I lead us now in prayer? And can you just, under your breath, just speak out their name. God, I want to I be able to share the good news. I want to show them mercy. I want to forgive them. I, I want to invite them into the kingdom of God. I want them to have an eternity with you. Just speak their name as we pray. Father, today, God, you have placed people on our hearts God, some of us might be even terrified thinking that we would say something to them. But God, I I know that through the Holy Spirit's boldness in our life, that God, that you will rise up within us as we allow you to and to speak the truth and love that you love them. That God, that we just have to tell our story. We don't have to be an expert in, in the law or the Bible. We can tell the story of what you did for us. Father, people might be able to argue over different things, but God, when we tell our story, we know that to be true. And we don't have anybody that can argue our story. Father, this morning I just pray for the people of the chapel that are here, people that are watching online, That God, that the boldness that you have given us, God, would be portrayed outside of ourselves. God, some of our family needs to be told. People that we have said that we're going to pray for or have other people pray for. And God is saying, I have put you in their lives as mothers and fathers and uncles and aunts, grandparents, to speak the truth to them and to show mercy to them in love. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning I want to ask you, as you step out in faith, And tell someone about the good news of Jesus Christ. I want you to share that with me. Just tell me the story. Pastor, there was a friend of mine at work. My my husband really is not a believer. And I told him how much God loved him. Whoever it might be. 
I want to just challenge you to do that and then just share it, even, even if it's not with me, with somebody else, of what God has done through you. Amen.